We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Um, and Crossroads Online, man, so glad that you tuned in, turned up to be with us here today. Whether you're joining us from a coffee shop or a living room or an RV or on top of a mountain somewhere, want to welcome you to service at Crossroads. And our mission is the same no matter where you're at. We want to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. And so any way that we can help you do that, those chat hosts are available for you right now. If you're joining it like my friend Matthew from Ohio is right today, man, just excited to have you guys be a part of what's happening because finally, 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 it is here. A series I've been praying about and dreaming about and thinking about really the entire year and it couldn't come at a better time. We're calling it the separation of church and hate. And frankly, I don't think it could have came at a better time. Because we are more fiercely divided than we have ever seen in a long time. We are divided about politics and race and gender and COVID and anything else you can imagine. And I realize that this isn't new. The COVID thing's a little bit new. Like, that's new. But um, it just seems like we're at a fever pitch right now. People are passionately divided everywhere you turn. So, so with passionate people on both sides of these issues, we are, we're walking straight into a presidential election in November, right? And isn't it ironic that in unprecedented times, we are electing a precedent? Isn't that crazy? Now, now, before you log off, anybody out there, before you like tune off, before, you know, don't want to listen anymore, listen, I just want you to hang tight because I know what you're thinking. You're tired of all this political stuff. It's exhausting to talk about it, and it's hard to hear. I get it. But listen to me. Before you start checking Facebook, before you start doing Instagram, just give me a few minutes. I, I want us to be able to hear something that I believe that we're all not hearing right now, but we need to hear. And so we're going to look at, at what it's like to be able to love those, to, to love less, and to, or to be love more and, and hate less. How do we do that in this world? Because the world will tell us we should love less and hate more, but we need to love more and hate less. This is why this series is so important. Now, I realize that there is a standard rule of thumb out there. The rule of thumb is this, is that you never talk about politics or religion. Those are two things. I've heard it all before. Problem is, I'm a pastor. Okay, and so it's a hard time with that religion part, you know, that's like telling a mechanic not to work on a car, or like telling a basketball player not to shoot a basketball, or telling a baker not to make a snickerdoodle. It just doesn't happen. And if you're joining us here today in, uh, in any format, you realize that um, you know what you're kind of bought into when you logged on. You didn't come to church to get a new lemon curd recipe. That's not what I'm going to give you, you know, that's not what's going to happen. No, you show up to church to be able to hear about God and, and what and what he wants to say to you. And that's what we talk about. But when it comes to politics, we believe that there is a, a separation that should be there. I mean, after all, isn't that what the First Amendment is all about? It's about this, the Constitution, about separation of church and state. And I want to do this. I want to make sure that I'm clear about something from the very beginning. Okay? This is not, listen to me, not a series about convincing people to choose one political party over another. This isn't about endorsing some candidate over another. This is not about debating politics or platforms. This is about 100% pro-Jesus, okay? And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a second here. But, 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 but don't you think, I mean, just to think about it, don't you think it's interesting that the very first political amendment to the Constitution was about the church? 
that the very first conscience effort to adjust the Constitution of the United States had to do with the church's relationship with government. But as a rule of thumb, we say, ah, we can avoid that. And honestly, I, I understand. I mean, I tend to do the same thing. I just, I just don't think that there's a lot of fruit that comes out of those discussions. We've got a very diverse church in so many different ways. And so we, we kind of steer away from that. But I, I tell you this, that we come to a time like this in our world and in, in our nation, and there's a lot going on. And if we ignore what's happening, we're going to become irrelevant to the culture. That, that's what happens to the church if we don't speak about what's happening. I mean, if we have the hope of the world in Jesus Christ and we have a hopeless world, don't you think we need to tell people about him? So the question that we have to ask ourselves, especially is this, is what is the Christian's role in all of this? Like, how are we to be involved in the world but separated from it at the same time? And, and for sure, one of, one of the most obvious ways to do that is to vote. Like, we should all Vote, and I'm proud to say that we live in the greatest nation in the world. Even despite all of our flaws, all of our issues, it still stands head and shoulders above every single nation. And one of the reasons that I can say that is because we live in a democracy. And we get to vote freely for who we want, right? We can vote freely, and we get to vote about everything. We vote about the president of our country, and about, we vote in states and cities and townships. We even vote for the PTA president in your school. We vote for everything. We have say in what happens. Doesn't mean that you're always going to have your, your, your candidate win, but at least we have a say in what happens. So the first thing we need to do to be a part of this, vote. Register to vote. Be, get get vote. Do Vote. Definitely do that. But more importantly than simply just voting is that we need to know as Christians, how are we to comport ourselves in this season? Are we able to treat each other with respect and dignity and love even when we don't agree. That's why this series is 100% pro-Jesus. This isn't a series about telling you who to choose or what candidate to vote for. And in fact, on my, my drive into work, I get to drive by this sign every day near Escalon. And I just loved it, so I stopped and took a picture. Like, so I do just like Jesus 2020. Yes! That's what I want. I want to say Jesus 2020. I'd vote him in. So this is a series about how we treat each other. And how we as Christians should show the world what we truly believe in this season. It is seeking him to be our filter through everything we do. Not just in politics, but not excluding our politics. Because listen to me. Listen, listen carefully. If we don't do this, Satan will use this time of this pandemic election to drive a wedge between us even more. Not just as Christians, but as human beings especially when it comes to our politics. And, and it doesn't take long for us to consider how this whole thing is happening, especially right now. But, but I will say that this is not the first time in American history that we've seen political cantankering like this. Um, I've been reading a biography about Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Um, it's actually the book that inspired the musical Hamilton. Uh, fascinating book in not only about Hamilton's life, but it's actually interesting about the formation of the government and the two-party system. And so after the creation of the Declaration of Independence of the Constitution, things started to splinter into two parties, the Democratic Republicans and the, and the Federalists. And sadly, the infighting between these two groups was so bad that it went, it bordered line on juvenile antics. I, I want you to consider this one work from, uh, from, uh, from uh, Chernow's work. He says this, he says, and this is true. He says, an episode at Congress Hall in January 1798 symbolizes the acrimonious mood. 
Representative Matthew Lyon of Vermont, a diehard Republican, began to mock the aristocratic sympathies of Roger Griswold, a Federalist from Connecticut. When Griswold then taunted Lyon for alleged cowardice during the Revolution, Lyon spat right in his face. Griswold got a hickory cane and proceeded to thrash Lyon, who then retaliated by taking up fire tongs and attacking Griswold. The two members of Congress ended up fighting on the floor like common ruffians. That's straight up history right there. Perhaps the most telling words, though, were from Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States. And he described it this way. He said that um, party animosities have raised a wall of separation between those who differ politically in political sentiments. There was a wall of separation. So how do we keep from wrestling around on the floor of Congress in our own lives? How do we combat the separation of church and hate? How do we learn to use Jesus as our filter, not our politics? But here's the critical question we'll be tackling this series. And here's the thing you'll hear me say over and over. It's this the idea. How can we differ politically but still love unconditionally? How can we do that? Guys, we won't all agree politically. If there's something that is as true as death and taxes, it is that we will not agree politically. But there is a way for us to live in disagreement, but yet still care for each other. That, that is what's important. And the answer to that question is found right here in this Bible. And there are four very important aspects um, for how we are to deal with people during this time. So in this four-week series, we're going to tackle a word a week. And we're going to look at how we can treat people that lets us disagree politically, but also love unconditionally. And these four areas are critical to not only our daily lives, but also being able to see through the right filter in these times. So, So my prayer is that, that we seek God's face in all areas of our life. That we start to treat each other with love and respect that we all want deep down. Because Jesus made it very clear in John 15. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That's what he says. He says, love each other as I have loved you. There is a way for us to disagree with each other and then not destroy each other. That there is a way. And the way is found through letting Jesus be our guide, our filter, our ultimate goal in life. So let's just do that. Let's, uh, let's unpack the separation of church and hate and begin by looking at our first word today. Uh, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be in James chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you today or your Crossroads Grace apps or the chat host, if you'd be willing to put in that link right now for our people, that would be fantastic. And while you're doing that, I just have to say that there is actually a lost art in our world today. And it's known as civility. It's known as civility. Now, civility comes from the Latin root civilis. Uh, In civilis, it actually means, the definition of it is, it means to, to, to be fitting of a citizen. Be fitting of a citizen. Now, you might look at this idea of befitting of a citizen, and you might start thinking like, uh, you know, it's just kind of being polite. But you might even think about an old English times, you know, where you have top hats, you know, cheerio, you know, there's, there's women holding the elbows of a man, they float across the floor. I don't know where that accent came from, but uh, that's what I did. But 
But, but civility has much deeper roots than just having a kind, pleasant, well, hello to your neighbor. See, see, this is how I would define civility. The civil, civility is this. Civility is when two differing viewpoints can be expressed at the same time without conflict and loss of relationship. That's, that's civility. Civility is being able to disagree without losing respect in a person or integrity in yourself. And that can happen because of mutual respect between two individuals about each other. But in our society, we've degraded into a world of parchment-thin-skinned individuals. We can't stand to be in the same space, digitally or physically, with someone of a different opinion without vilifying them for their view. Isn't that true? Listen to me. Take a quick inventory for just a second. Take a quick inventory. When was the last time you read a book from an author you didn't agree with, but you wanted to understand their point of view? When was the last time you had a conversation with someone you didn't agree with, just to listen? When is the last time that you prayed for the person with a different social media thought than you instead of blowing up their wall to be able to destroy them? When was the last time? We can't stand it if somebody disagrees with us. See, civility has been exchanged for individuality, right? We're individuals. Individuality. Civility is an exchange for individuality. It's all gone. And what we've convinced ourselves of is this, is that our individual views of the world, of politics, of justice, of problem solving, those are the right ones and there's no questions. But when we do that, Man, we close off the potential for growth and learning. We are no longer open. We are to expanding our horizons or from hearing from a different view. And that pains the heart of God. It pains it. His desire is for us not only to tolerate one another but, and to be civil with one another, but to love one another. And that is so important in the climate that we find ourselves in. Because I just believe that the people that will take the time to listen, to be civil with one another, will not only be heard, but they're going to honor God too. And we see how we can do this from two small verses in the book of James. So I've given you plenty of time. James chapter 1. Let's read verses 19 through 20 together. There we read, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So, right here, we actually get to see the secret of civility. And it starts right here. It starts right here. It says again, everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Have you ever noticed that, that, that talking is easy and listening is infinitely harder? In other words, we do a really good job of the opposite of this. Don't we? We are quick to speak and slow to listen. Guys, my hand in the air on this one. Just ask my wife, Sheree. Right now she is telling you amen somewhere. I'm a great talker, obviously. Poor listener. Poor listener. But, but here's how this works. Tell, tell me this isn't how it works. We all love to talk because we love to have our voice and perspective heard. That's why we talk. And it's not a bad thing. God designed us for interaction. That's the whole reason we're here. But, but tell me this isn't what happens. When someone is talking to you, we will listen until the other person says something we want to comment on. Am I right? 
And then from that moment on, we completely stop listening to that person. Because we go from listening to what? Formulating our response. And, and if we could get our cameras in our head, like, you know, like uh, inside out or something like that, here's what we, it would kind of look like this. Like we would be listening, kind of nodding our head. But the second somebody said something that we were wanting to respond to, we would look like a guy being held back by bouncers at a nightclub. You know what I mean? Like, I want to come on. You, no, let me at it. And all we're kind of like saying like, yeah, yeah, we're good on the outside. But inside we're like, mm, come on, let me at it. I got something for you. You know? Married people, does that resonate with anybody? Or am I all alone when it comes to this? Right? Can I get an amen from anybody? Man, people at your jobs with your boss, can I say something? Right? Parents with your grown children, can I hear anything about that? But what about when it comes to how we treat each, other, treat each others in times of divisiveness? What about when we disagree politically? See, if we want to learn to disagree politically, but love unconditionally, then we have to learn to listen to people fully, to hear their perspectives. My friends, this is what we need to do when we listen to people who don't see the world like we do. We need to hear their whole story, listen to their experiences, allow them to share why they believe what they believe. We actually seek opportunities to listen to people who are different than us. So we need to be quick to listen if we want to be civil. That's number one. But number two is right after that same verse. Everyone should be quick to listen but slow to speak. Slow to speak. The word used here for speak is actually the word delay. It's saying that we should delay what we are saying so we make sure that we listen first. And, and here why, here's why this is so, so, so important. It's because we always think that what we say is right or we wouldn't say it. And, and that trickles down into everything that we do. Guys, think about this just for a second with me. How, how you behave makes perfect sense to you while you're doing it or you wouldn't do it. How you respond makes perfect sense to you in the moment or you wouldn't say it. How, how your point of view is always right or you wouldn't voice it. Even your politics are completely in line with what you think is right or you wouldn't believe it. And when we quit, we are quick to speak and slow to listen. We are limiting our ability to understand other people. As my friend, uh, Pastor Shane Phillips said, um, he actually said this. Um, he, he said that uh, um, when you catch yourself saying these things, maybe you caught yourself before. I, I don't know why they would do that. You ever said that? I don't know why they would think that. I don't know why they would believe that. I don't know why they would say that. I, what he says, he says this. He says, you actually have just made a confession. You have just admitted that you didn't understand something. You have confessed that you haven't listened long enough to understand. But here's the problem. Straight up, here's the problem. We live in a world where we are constantly being educated. Constantly. Especially when it comes to social media. See, we speak so often about things that we see on social media... And we believe are true. My goodness gracious, all kinds of crazy things are sent to me every day, multiple times a day from multiple people. Some of them are here right now. They send me stuff all the time. But do we even know that they're true? Right? Now, now listen, if you have not watched the documentary called Social Dilemma on Netflix, it is totally worth watching. It confirms some things that you probably have been wondering about why certain things pop up in your feed and some don't. 
But in essence, the show is a tell-all from some of the designers of Facebook and Pinterest and, and Instagram and, and everything you can possibly imagine, all the social, social media sites. And they tell about the inner workings of the programs and how they actually work to get you to stay on their sites long enough, as long as they possibly can. There's so much about this I, I could go into, but I just I can't even begin to tell you it all. But, but here's how it correlates to today's message. Let me tell you. Social media sites, what they do is they will feed certain stories through an algorithm designed to know your wants, your needs, and your desires. Called artificial intelligence. And it's so good that it might even know you better than yourself. And, and even before you think about it, oh my goodness, all of a sudden it's in your feed. But check this out. It's not filtering the stories for what is true and untrue. It's a bunch of fake news. It's lies. It's conspiracies. Shockingly enough, they did a study at MIT and they found that fake news spreads six times faster on Twitter than real news. And the sites don't care because false information makes the companies richer with every click that we make. And what happens is when we fall into this fake news stuff, we travel further down the rabbit hole and the, and the algorithm gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And as they zone in on who you are and what you look like, look like all they do, they start to feed you stories that only support your personal biases that you started with. And guess what? It doesn't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, or some other have -Z. It doesn't care. It also doesn't care if the story is true or not. It cares about one thing. Getting you to stay on that site as long as it possibly can so that you will click on one of the ads for the people that paid for them to be there. And then you start to t say to yourself, can't believe the other side can't see this and see, see this is true after watching it. I can't believe they would just ignore this, right? I can't believe it. You know why they are doing that? It's because they aren't seeing it. They are seeing what the algorithm has for them based on their biases to feed them into their own personal biases. But the quote that haunted me from this entire documentary was one from a former Google design ethicist. His name was Tristan Harris. And he said this about truth. He said, if we don't agree what is true or that there is such a thing as truth, we are toast. If we can't agree on what is true, then we can't navigate out of any of our problems. We need truth. And in order to find truth, you have to seek to understand. We have to be slow to speak, quick to listen, so that we don't interrupt the truth from bubbling up to the surface before we drown it out with our opinions. We need to be savvy students, not constant critics. And if we want to hear the truth of God and what he says, then we need to be quiet. We need to listen. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, if you want civility in your world. But then there's the last part. Last part of civility. Might be one of the most important to last. Say it again. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Mm. To become angry. Boy, can we just say that this is the one that so many of us have a hard time with? You know? I mean, we might, we might bite our tongue. Like, we might bite our tongue, but sometimes we just want to bite it off, don't we, if we're not careful? If we were to put a word to how our world is feeling right now, I would say that angry would be really, really high up on the list. We are in a world that is angry with most everything. But we express it in so many different ways, don't we? We express anger in so many... I mean, some people, some people, they will, they will totally just blow up, right? They'll just blow up like my boy from inside, right? You know, just, ah, 
Like they'll just freak out. They'll just blow up. But then there's some people that just kind of clam up. And when you clam up, you just kind of give the silent treatment, you know, like, what's wrong? Nothing. You know what I mean? Like just that way. You know what I'm saying? But then there's some people that will fake up. You know what I mean by that is they'll just say, they'll pretend they're smiling, but they're really hacked off behind that smile. And then there are people that just choke up. And, and that's just the dodger. <laughs> now, now, truth be told, my Reds just tanked in the playoffs, okay? So I can't say too much, but that's just funny right there, okay? But, but, in, but in all seriousness, anger is a really big deal for a lot of us. A real big deal. It, it might be with your kids or your spouse or your job, but... But, but the political season seems to bring out a whole new level of anger out of us, doesn't it? So, so what do we do with this nasty taste of anger in our mouth? What, what, what do we do? Well, for starters, we have to remember that anger isn't a bad thing so long as it's channeled into the right thing. Righteous anger is anger that we should feel when there is ungodly and unjust wrong that's happening around us. There are many things that should make us angry, but not tip us to sin. And when we sin out of our anger, that's when anger turns this good thing into something that, that separates us from God. And James explains why this happens in the rest of verse 20. He says in the rest of verse 20, he says, Because human anger, it's very important, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. He says human anger does not produce what we're looking for, what we think it should produce. Isn't that the truth? What we think being angry will do for us, which is give us satisfaction, give us what we want, have people say they're sorry to us, have people change their views to match ours, almost never happens. In fact, it usually backfires, doesn't it? People become more entrenched in their beliefs. You feel worse about yourself and you are more alone than you were ever before. Or worse yet, you will surround yourself with a bunch of angry people that just hate life. That's what happens. James says, listen, if we're going to be civil with each other, we have to not allow ourselves to tip toward unrighteous anger that hurts other people. We can, of course, disagree with others. We can, of course, be angry about things that we see happening in our world. We should, but we have to give that anger to God. If we don't, it will spill out of the righteous container it was meant to be in and start to spill out into every relationship around us. But there's hope. There's hope. James says that there's another way. There's a way that we can filter politically and still love unconditionally. We can differ politically and love unconditionally without hurting each other with our anger. And James actually gives us a foolproof way for us to have and not let anger seep out into other things. Look in verse 21. James says this. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. This is gold. James just says, I want you to get rid of two things, okay? I want you to get rid of moral filth, and I want you to get rid of evil. Could you imagine what our world would look like if we took these two, drug them out to the curb, and let the dumpster just take them away? No more moral filth, no more evil. That would be amazing. So, so, so how do you get rid of like, this moral filth, you might ask? How do you regulate moral filth in your life? Well, I think it begins with answering some questions only you can answer. Questions like, what are you listening to? 
Who are you listening to? How much are you watching? Are you having a conversation with any other Christian about what God actually says? Is it being considered through a biblical worldview? See, you have to be careful that your diet is balanced and it is pressed through Jesus first. Listen, understand this, that your faith should be, your faith filter should be finer than your political filter. In other words, your faith needs to be strong enough to be able to filter out the moral filth, the moral garbage that is around you. But James also speaks about getting rid of another thing. He, he said that I also want you to get rid of, he said, I want you to get rid of evil. Now, this word evil is actually can be also defined as the word malice. He says, get rid of malice. Now, what malice means is to pay back or to get even. So, so James is basically saying, hey, listen, stop wanting to get even. Stop wanting to pay back other people. He says, get perspective that, that we are in this thing. We have to understand, guys, we are in this thing together and only together will we get through. It's the only way we'll be able to do it. But, but James just doesn't say, hey, listen, could you stop doing dumb stuff? Like, that's, that's not what he said, okay? He also says, I want you to replace this dumb stuff, moral filth and evil. Hey, I want you to replace it with something really important. And he says, here's what I want you to replace it with. I want you to replace it with humility in my word. He says, I want you to have humility in my word. Now, in week three of the series, we're going to spend an entire message on humility. How important that is. You are not going to want to miss that. But I would just tell you right now that if you are humble, you will see things differently. If you see yourself as always learning and never thinking that you figured it all out, you will approach situations with a totally different attitude. But when it comes to God's word, when it comes to, to, to this book that God has given, we need to make sure that this is part of our faith filter. If not our entire faith filter altogether, we need to focus ourselves on God's word. He gave this to us so we can live our life in rhythm with him. So we can't just shelf the Bible when we need it the most right now. Let God's word guide you so that you can not only see clearly what to do, but also see clearly about how we need to love each other no matter what. Now, now all that we just read in James here sets us up for something kind of cool. It's actually a civility equation that James laid out for us. And no, it is not Common Core approved. So just deal with it, but it still works, okay? So I want you to consider this equation he just laid out for us. The first thing he says, he says, more listening plus understanding. If we have two of those things together, minus, minus the next thing, which is excessive talking and anger, if we take that from that, what we're going to get is civility. Right? That's what we get. More listening plus understanding. Minus excessive talk and anger will give us civility. This right here can happen. It absolutely can happen. Basically, the exact opposite of what happened on the debate the other night. Just do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, just do it. You know? And, and, and it's, it must. This must work in order for us to see the walls start coming down between the separation of church and hate. We, we must see it. This is how we can start to love unconditionally and disagree politically. Because here is the honest to goodness truth. If we can just be honest with ourselves for just a moment, we know that two things are true. 
The first is that most Americans will create a version of faith to support their politics. Most people. This is why this stuff is so emotional, emotionally driven to us. And again, the series is not intended to change anyone's political idea, your party, your views. It is 100% about changing the way we treat each other. That's what it's about. You may have shaped your version of your faith to match your politics. You might have. But listen to me. There is no version of our faith that will produce anything other than loving each other. No other version. But the second thing is also true. Someone's political candidate will lose. This is a 100% certainty that not everyone is going to be happy on November 4th. No way. Someone will lose and someone will win based on how the people vote. That's how it goes. But listen to me. The church will win or lose on how we vote with our love of each other. This is also 100% certain. But what do we do with that? What are some practical takeaways that we can have so we can be uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, and, and also get rid of all these other things in our life, to have this love approach to civility? What do we do? Well, again, I'm going to borrow from my friend Shane Phillips and, and pose these questions that he posed to his church. I want you to consider these, these four questions to consider. Number one is this, is what I'm going to say true? If we could stop right there, is what I'm going to say true, true? Ask yourself that question. Number true. Number two, is what I'm going to say helpful? Is it helpful at all to anyone, anywhere? Is it helpful? Number three, is what I'm going to say personal? Am I attacking someone? Am I going after their credibility? Am I going after them as a person? Is it personal? Number four is this last one. Is what I'm going to say loving? Loving. And based off these answers, if, these, if any of these answers are negative, if it's false, if it's not helpful, if you're attacking a person, if it's unloving, then check it out. Don't say it. Just zip it. Don't say it at all. Listen longer. Love harder. And learn to seek to understand before trying to be understood. Because here's the one line I want you to learn. Have no more than anything else today. It's just one idea. Is that being civil is choosing to not be evil towards one another. Being civil is choosing to not be evil towards one another. And what if, what if we believed that? What if just us as Christians believed that? The world would be different. The world would be absolutely different. Because here's what you need to understand. You need to understand this, that the world and our country is asking us to, to choose. It's saying, listen, you either need to be red or you either need to be blue. You make the decision. I, I remember when I first was interviewing here at this church, I kid you not, I had just got done preaching, I think. It was one of the first services. I came to the front. There was this older gentleman that came up, and he shook my hand. And he shook my hand and wouldn't let go. You know, like one of those, like, you shake it and you think you're done. And it's like, whoa, all right, we're still here. Right? You know, one of those deals. You've been there before. He shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, and he says, I got one question for you. Are you red or are you blue? Straight up, that's what he asked me. I said, Jesus? Like, I don't even, like, what am I supposed to, you know? Shakes my hand, and he says, all right, turns, walks away. Never seen him before again in my life. Like, but that's what he shook, like that was his thing. Because that's what the world says. Are you red or are you blue? What are you? That's what you want to know. 
Here's, here's the deal. We're Christians. We're called not to a color, but to a savior. And that savior, guess what? He's neither red or blue. Because you know what happens when you take red and you take blue? Do you know what you get? You get purple. And you know what purple is? It's the color of royalty. And you know who is the King of kings and Lord of lords is more royal than anyone else in the entire world that died to save our sins, that came from heaven to earth for a bunch of schmoes like us, that, that lived a perfect life, that died a perfect death, that defeated death for us, that resurrected, that showed himself, that ascended back into heaven. Do you know what color he has? Purple. Because it's Jesus Christ and that is what matters. It's about royalty. It's about royalty in Jesus. It's not red, it's not blue, it's purple. It's always about Jesus. It's about Jesus. We need to be civil to one another. We need to disagree politically, but we need to love unconditionally because that is what Jesus has called us to do. It's what communion, we get to remember the royalty of Jesus. We get to remember that it's not about red, it's not about blue, it's about purple, it's about Jesus. And if we could focus our attention on him, if we could filter our politics through our faith instead of our faith through our politics, oh my goodness, what a difference this world would be. So my prayer for us as we remember the cross, as we remember what Jesus did for us, that we would remember that he died for us. He died because he loved us. And he died so that we could love one another. Yes, we'll disagree. It does not mean that we can't love each other. So my hope and my prayer for you is this, will, this series will make a difference in your life, but I pray this message alone will make a difference to you because Jesus loves you. He wants to know you. He died for you to prove it. Let's live our lives with that love in mind. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.